You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from MindRobber.net, which is the home side of MindRobber Productions, where we talk about all the things on podcasts. Specifically this one, The Doctor's Companion, where we talk about Doctor Who. The MindRobber's Versus, where we pick a show we love and talk about it episode by episode. Currently, we're covering Batman the Animated Series, so go check out The MindRobber's Versus. Uh, and also our flagship podcast, The MindRobber's, where we talk about everything else. If you like our shows, please review them on iTunes, uh, because uh, that's how a lot of people find our shows. Uh, but if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, you can email those to us at podcast at mindrubber.net. Or if you want to have a discussion with us um, or other listeners, then you're going to want to find the post to this episode or another episode that you might have comments on. Leave said comment there and uh, it'll be there and people can comment back and or we can comment back and, and there you go. Uh, community. Uh, and then finally, uh, if if you really want to help us out, the best way would be to let everyone know that you listen and that they should be listening too if they like this sort of thing. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tweet about it, uh, get on Facebook, leave leave a post, leave a link to the to the episode, tell them that you're listening, uh, take a picture of yourself listening to the episode and put it on Instagram. Why not? <laughs> what? <laughs> Why not do it? Uh, well, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll make people ask questions and they'll be like, what's the big deal? Maybe I should listen to this. Find out what the big deal is. Hey, it could work. You never know. Uh, but today, uh, if you were to take a picture of yourself listening to this episode, you would be listening to us talk about the demons, which is a third doctor story, uh, with the master and Joe Grant, uh, what's the background and significance for the demons? Yes, the demons. It is the last story of season eight, which is um, the master season. Affectionately so named because the master appears in every single story in the season, uh, starting with Terror of the Autons and ending here, uh, at which point he is kind of wrapped up, which is an interesting sort of uh, closing beat, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, it's written by a guy named Guy Leopold, although if you, if you look it up, Guy Leopold actually doesn't exist. Guy Leopold is a, is a, su- is a pen name for uh, two fellows by the name of Robert Sloman and Barry Letts. Robert Sloman, you might remember, because we covered um, uh, all three of his other stories already, The Time Monster, The Green Death, and Planet of the Spiders. And uh, Guy Leopold also stands for Barry Letts, who was not allowed to write 
Doctor Who because he was the producer of Doctor Who, uh, and you can't self-commission because the BBC hates self-commissioning. So Barry Letts comes in, and uh, even though he's been producing for the past basically two seasons, this is his first attempt to demonstrate his vision for what a good Doctor Who story would look like from the ground up. Uh, So, I mean, it's interesting from that perspective. Uh, It's also uh, directed by Christopher Barry who's a very famous uh, Doctor Who director. He's been around for a really long time. Uh, He directed, amongst other things, The Daleks, The Rescue the Romans, Power of the Daleks, uh, Robot, and Brain of Morbius, among a couple of others. So he's definitely got... Mm, Brain of Morbius. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah, He's got a a way about him. He's very good at (laughs) very creepy stories. Um, Mm, Gothic horror. He is a fan. He is very much a fan. Um... So uh, the demons, I mean, it's a it's it's a kind of a big popular story. It's a big heavy hitter Pertwee story, honestly. Uh, if you look at the the big Doctor Who list that was published back in two thousand nine, I think with the Mighty Two Hundred, as it's affectionately called, where Doctor Who magazine ranked all of the Doctor Who stories, and Caves of Androzani came out right on top, and Blink came in at number two. Uh, the demons came in in the thirties, which is not bad for a list of two hundred. But what's interesting about that is it's the sec. It was the second most popular John Pertwee story after Inferno, uh, which tells you kind of a lot about what fans think of this. this. is a very well regarded story, and it's considered one of the best of the era. Um, which is funny because it was one of the last stories I actually watched. Um, and I was right to save it because it's awesome. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, that's the demons. It's a big unit story and it's this, it's a season finale, which is really interesting. So there you go. Hmm. All right. Well, before we start talking about it, uh, this is a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase any paperback, hardcover, omnibus, or absolute edition at 35 to 45% off. Plus... New release specials are 50% off every week. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So uh, pack that thing full of Omniboo. And uh, thanks to InStockTrades.com. Go get the uh, Doctor Who, the first Doctor Who omnibus from uh, IDW. uh, Because that's a thing. Yeah, why not? Do it. Yeah, do it. Bunch bunch of 10th Doctor comic book stories. Uh, Check it out. Do it. Um, all right, so uh, I I had never seen the demons before. Uh, you made me buy this like a year ago, I think, um, and it's been sitting on my shelf uh, this whole time, begging to be watched. But I knew that it was coming up very soon or soon-ish, uh, and uh, so I was saving it uh, for this episode and um, uh, watching it. Uh, I think I was three episodes in when I texted you, I was like, this is hands down my favorite John Pertwee story. Uh, <laughs> hands down. And uh, I've seen most of what are wildly wildly considered his best stories. I've seen all but one, which is Carnival of Monsters, which is one that I'm saving as my last John Pertwee story. Um, but I... Uh, so so that, that could bump it, maybe, possibly. But, oh my god, I love this so much. I love this <laughs> so much. Um, it's, it's really was, good, right? Oh my god, this is so good. Like, right from the beginning, where it starts with a dark and stormy night, I'm like, oh, this is, oh yeah, yep. I'm like, it's so good because, like, not only not only does the Doctor have something to do all the time, and the Master have something to do all the time, and... 
uh, and and Joe have something to do all the time. But like, you're right that this is a unit story, but it's also not your typical unit story. Like, it's not just like, uh, here's something to aim at. Go. Uh, it's 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 nothing like that, it, and it's not. It's a unit story, but it never feels military-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, it really feels like they're just doing their best with what is going on, which is just uh, supernatural insanity. Um, <laughs> and I just, despite the fact that like the doctor is constantly saying, no, it's science, it's science, it's science. Um, and, and plus, uh, we get this weird proto professor Trelawney, uh, which is fun. Um, <laughs> she's this crazy, this crazy chick who thinks she's a witch. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I just, I love everything about this. Like uh, everybody has something to do. And that's the thing. It's like unit isn't really being used as unit usually, uh, gets used, but then everyone is acting like they always act like the brigadier is still like always the brigadier in this and has uh, like a couple, a couple dozen just iconic brigadier lines. And, yes. and, and, uh, the, so does the doctor, like the doctor has so much good stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Um, just so much iconic stuff. And, and his relationship with Joe is just spot on and perfect. And it's, it's such a well-written story. Um, I, 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 I love it. It's so well paced. Like I was never bored. There's never a runaround in this. Like it's always progressing. Yeah. Um, five episodes, man. That's uh, great. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I don't, I don't think I like it as much as you do. Um, uh, but only, only because it's not my favorite Pertwee story. My favorite Pertwee story is still Ambassadors of Death. But there's something about this that, um, that I think is, is notable because it's very specific. Um, every, everything about this is so pointed to a specific tone or a specific action beat or a specific thematic beat that everything just kind of ends up working. Uh, if you compare this, and I know you haven't seen this one, but if you compare this story to the one that came right before it, which is Colony in Space, Colony in Space ends up feeling very generic, uh, very much like slopped together, slapped together. This is very much, this knows what it is for minute one and then just builds off of that until the bitter, bitter, bitter end. Uh... And that's because of, like you said, it was a dark and stormy night, the gothic horror imagery, the religious overtones, the small town, the godlike being the master's trying to raise, and the the, the hilarious gargoyle, which we'll have Oh, to I love it so much. <laughs> and then and then to the to the May Day parade, which was the thing with the Maypole uh, and the mm-hmm. dancing around the Maypole. Um all of those things add up to something that is very unique, that feels specific and special and honestly when i was watching this i think i i think you're right because i do think of this as a unit story what i think of it more as it's very much like uh the best torchwood ever produced um because it reminds me a lot of something like countryside um Mm -hmm. which i hate Uh, well i liked it when i watched it but it freaked the hell out of me so (laughs) Um, but it reminds me a lot of that because it's very much like, you know, you're just in, you're invest, they're investigating a small town and the small town is engulfed by this ring of invisible fire and all sorts of stuff. Like it just feels very good and, and, and fresh. And it's one of those things where the unit model can feel repetitive and boring after a point, but this feels fresh, um, mm-hmm. which is not easy to do after two 
two seasons straight of just monster invasions, uh, which I love. So, yeah, no, no, no. this is uh, this is fantastic, and <laughs> like it's it's so well directed, and and I feel like. I feel like when they were when they went to go make the uh what eventually became the the 96 Paul McGann film mm-hmm. I feel like the art director for that for that for that TV movie like he was like, so what does Doctor Who look like? And they were like, oh, well, here's a stack of, 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 of stories to watch. The first one he watched was The Demons. And he was like, OK, well, that's enough. <laughs> and he just he just based the Paul McGann movie off the look of the demons because uh, accurate. uh like the master is uh he dresses exact it's like he dresses exactly like the master in this story um as like this cult leader and acts like it's like it's like the art director and the and the costume designer watched the demons and eric roberts watched i don't know whatever the worst master story of uh what what's the other master? The Davison master? Ainley. Ainley? Or time yeah, Ainley. Or? Ainley. Yeah, yeah. Right. Watch Time Flight or, or or something like that. And that's what he watched to get his performance. Um because <laughs> uh, it's like uh it's it's really um uh I was watching this and I was just like, "Oh. So that's where they got that from." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're going to pick any, I mean, this is the one to pick. I can't think of a master story in the classic series that's better. I mean, I think maybe Deadly Assassin, but even then, the Deadly Assassin is something that you can't do more than once. This is something right. where you can... Like, Deadly Assassin, I don't know, watching it early, and I know we watched it early for this show, but watching the Deadly Assassin early is really kind of problematic, whereas this is something you can throw to someone who's like, what do you like, What what's, what's good in... Classic Who, what's good in Pertwee, this is one you should throw at them. Um, mm-hmm. Like this or Silurians. Like, if you wanted to start on a master story, this is where you'd start. Um, it happens to be the best, but eh, tough. Tough. Sometimes you have to throw them the best because that's the one that will get them hooked the mm-hmm. best. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, it's, I mean it, and it's good for that. But I love um, – one of the things I love that, that, that Let's plays with in the script, um, Let's and Let's and Sloman really is this idea of community. Um, there, a lot of time is spent developing this small township in a very real way, and it starts with like newscasting, which is really weird. Um, mm-hmm. uh, between Ambassadors of Death and this, I mean, Ambassadors was still kind of like a like an update system. This was very much like the guy was doing an expose. He was doing a piece on this locale and that's the thing that brings the doctor in and then all there's a lot of time spent with how the town falls into the thrall of the master which is iconic uh and then how the master eventually wins over the township uh and you know to the point where he's about to get the doctor uh, burned at the stake (laughs) (laughs) um and and all that i mean just tonally Works. It, it feels unlike other stories because so many other stories are just, and here's your guest cast. This is very much like, it feels like a real place. It feels like we've got textures and, and, and people, uh, not, not the least of which is, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Olive Hawthorne, local witch, as I like to call her, um, because... <laughs> Because she's the local witch um, and proud of it, uh, which I think is so funny. Um, 
And I and I mean I love I love that about this. I I, I think that it's so that's what makes it really good. It makes it very like again, uniqueness is not something you kind of feel like you see a lot in Doctor Who. It's been around for fifty years. But this feels fresh. Like, this feels new and exciting, uh, despite the fact that you've seen, you know, 20 Pertwee stories or however many you've actually mm-hmm. seen. Uh, and that's awesome. Um, that's that's great. Yeah. No, this is, uh, this is fantastic. I, 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 I could watch this again right now. <laughs> um, I just, I, I, I love it so much. And I, I, I love the fact that like, uh, I mean, if we're being honest, uh, most classic Who stories do not have an overarching theme. Um, this one does, mm-hmm. which I think, and it's done expertly. Like, the theme of this is, without a doubt, s- uh, faith versus science. Mm-hmm. And Joe has faith, and the doctor is teaching her uh, to have science. Um, and it's uh, awesome. Uh, and, and, and not ridiculously over the top. It's not like hammering at home or anything. It's done like it's done through the bookends of the story. Um, the, the theme is sort of introduced, and then. Uh, sort of just driven home throughout the the story uh, through various points, and it's just uh, it's it's expertly done, and it's yeah. it's it's done so well that you would be surprised that this was on television in the seventies. Like this feels like uh, like modern storytelling. This seems yes. like something that that could be written now and and hold up just as well. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's, I think, one of the things that I noticed about the first time I watched this, the first episode cliffhanger. Because if you watch the first episode cliffhanger, it is exhilarating. Um, mm-hmm. It is it is thrilling and, and exciting and you're just tense because you don't know what the heck is about to happen. And the reason for that is because the doctor starts by saying, I believe in science. I do not believe in faith. And by the end, his belief that something bad is going on, his faith in that is terrifying um he is he is he doesn't even have time to move a a branch out of the way for the for bessie he's like let's run instead because who knows how long that's going to take let's run to the cave let's run to save the day um and it leads to i mean you kind of don't know what that first episode cliffhanger means but it's still one of those things where you feel it and you just you're just like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. Um, and it's hard to do the good first episode cliffhangers. First episode cliffhangers are really, really difficult. Two Episodes mm-hmm. two and uh, second to last are probably the easier ones, like the midpoint, etc. Mm-hmm. But this, like, it, it's 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 really it's really masterful. Like, it's really, really, really masterful uh, how how Letts and Sloman construct that first episode uh, mm-hmm. because it's just a it's very it's a very slow build. You don't realize you're racing until all of a sudden you're like, why are we going sixty miles an hour? I didn't feel this. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that first episode, like I'm I'm watching it and I'm just like. I'm like, what episode am I on? And like, it gets to the end. I was like, how, what, how many episodes was that? And then I'm like thinking back. I was like, but that was just the first one. <laughs> like, it was just so like jam packed with information, mm-hmm. but not in like a, an overstuffed way. Like in a this meal is really filling way. Yes. Uh, which is also 
really, really great. Cause that's not something that you always get. Um, like you said, like first episodes in Doctor Who are generally, uh, they're 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 a little rough they're they're like introducing everything and for the most part in in most cases they're not introducing things incredibly subtly mm-hmm. um and but this is done so subtly like i think i think uh really good first episodes like this and in ambassadors of death like they do they just they they got the first episode like they knew how to structure it mm-hmm. and uh i think that you're right about the cliffhanger and in that like in most cases the cliffhanger of the first episode is here's our bad guy <laughs> like that's i mean really that's like 85% of first episode cliffhangers in doctor who mm-hmm. uh in classic who it's like you get you get to the first end of the first episode the companion turns a corner there's our bad guy um, or there's our monster or whatever. Like that's, that's always the ending of the first episode. And that's not what this is, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. In fact, you don't really even meet the monster until the end of episode four. If you count mm-hmm. it as a Zal, um, mm-hmm. uh, if you count it as Bach, you meet him kind of at the end of this episode, but not really until episode two, uh, mm-hmm. Bach being the little gargoyle guy um i love him (laughs) um but but and and i but but to jump back to that idea of the first episode that's really interesting is um the texture and i'm jumping back to texture also but that texture really plays with the idea of is what's going on very real because you have this thing that's what's going on at devil's end that that newscast Cast it all in, oh, this is something that you'd see on your TV. Okay, that's like a real-world thing. And then you have Olive Hawthorne calming the wind with her voice. And she sounds like a wackadoo crackpot, but she also calmed the wind. And what they do in the writing to to add the idea that maybe this is something that's real, maybe this is something that is supernatural, because they are playing with like paganistic iconography, and and gothic cathedrals and all that it 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 just reminds me like it just it just hammers home the realness of it you know and and that's amazing like that's really hard to do it's it's it grounds doctor who in our world better than i think any other unit story does and unit is designed to ground it in our world uh but this this does it and does it with a supernatural twist that's ridiculous like that shouldn't work and yet it does um and that's really great. So let's talk about Bach, the hilarious little imp. Oh, uh. my God. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Like, when you first meet Bach, he is just a gargoyle statue thing. Mm-hmm. And he, like, it's at the – it's near the tail end of the first episode. And the master does one of his uh, his occult gang signs – and the camera moves over to the statue and the statue's eyes light up and it moves its head. And it was so scary, mm-hmm. like so scary, uh, like the first time you saw the angels scary, um, really scary. And then and I text you about how scary that was. I was like, whoa, scary statue, scary. And you're like, you're like, <laughs> and tell scary statues hilarious. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I, okay, that's, well, a little disappointing, because uh, I was so impressed with how scary it was. 
But then when when it came to the scene where you first saw him, <laughs> you first saw him, and he's pran- he comes up over this hill and just starts prancing down the hill. I was like, oh, never mind. This is fantastic. <laughs> And then they make that the episode two cliffhanger. Like, oh, <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, it's like it's like the uh, like the cliffhanger to episode three of the Silurians, but turned up to eleven. Where it's Ooh. just like it's so silly, but it's also kind of scary. But it's mostly just making you laugh and like, oh, please show me him more. Uh. <laughs> oh my god! And every time he shoots out his hands, he poses. <laughs> oh god, it's so awesome. Yeah, no, Bach is is amazing. And then, like, to the point where, you know, you get to the end and it's like, what is going to take this guy out? And Benton fires a rocket launcher at him. Like, Oh, I loved that. I was like, because <laughs> it was done really comedically. Like, they're all shooting at him and it's not doing anything. And then Mike just, like, sits down next to a couple of other shoulders or soldiers who have pistols. And he just sits, he just sits, crouches in between them behind cover with a bazooka. And they're just, they both just like drop their guns and look at him. And he just like, just tell me when, boys. (laughs) 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 Oh, I love this episode so much. Oh, it's it's great. And I mean, and that is indicative of like why it's a great showing for unit. I mean, this has also got my favorite Mike Yates costume ever. Uh, the second, the, 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 the tight blue jeans, the tight blue jeans and like that, that orange, like snow jacket and the orange sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, that's your man of action. Really? That's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, not, no slam against it, but you're just looking at it, You're like, wow, that is fantastic. And um, his, his pants are like two inches too short. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, so like his ankles kind of show like when he walks, like it's just, <laughs> He's got like a little bit of a Frankenstein effect. (laughs) Yeah, they're like puddle puddle waiters or whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, And but it's also got and so so there's that. But it's also like while he's dressed like a complete ninny, um, you also have them in that helicopter flying over the tracks that are just giant hoof prints that they kind of never explain. Um, And 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 units sitting outside of the heat barrier and you have the, the awesome helicopter chase sequence where the helicopter is chasing Bessie towards the, uh, towards the, 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 uh, what was it? The heat barrier at the end mm. of episode three. Like it's just a great showing for unit. Oh, and of course, Sergeant Benton, uh, helping the doctor do magic tricks, which is, is funny until you realize that Benton is literally just blind firing into a massive crowd. Like he's sharpshooting. <laughs> into a crowd full of people <laughs> which i mean i mean it's like it's like those shots have you ever seen those behind the scenes shots of uh of a uh, of uh, old movies from the 1930s before they could do like the little mini explosive squibs they would do like they would just put a sharpshooter on a ladder and that sharpshooter would fire a live round of ammunition right towards where that person's head would like the the actor's head was supposed to be like that is actually how they did it and and i think that's how they're doing it here only benton ain't playing you know like ben's... well what's funny about that is like the doctor's trying to fool every, every the town into thinking he's a wizard uh, which, by the way, uh, there's still a town somewhere that still thinks the doctor's a wizard because <laughs> he never proved otherwise. Um, uh, and 
he's trying to he's like he's about to be burned at the stake he's trying to prove that he's a wizard so that they'll let him go because he'll he's their only chance of uh of uh saving them and he's just like ah uh i'm i'm gonna make this thing move and then benton shoots it um and then it moves so it moves and they're like oh magic can can nobody hear the gun going off i don't (laughs) I mean, it... I know it had a bit of a silencer, but even then, you can still hear silence bullets. You know, like, <laughs> well, didn't they hear like, like when when he when he was making the weathercock move? Like, didn't they hear the ping of the <laughs> of the bullet hitting the weathercock? Like, I don't. That's what that's what psychic fingertips sound like. They just oh oh yeah, okay. Yeah, he was doing a psychic like flick. He was weather... using mind bullets. <laughs> that's telekinesis, Kyle. Uh... <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's that. That's the. That is the. That is the how, best. It's like, oh, that's so good. How great would it have been if, if, if somebody was like, "What was that ping sound?" And, and somebody and Joe goes, "Uh, mind bullets." And the doctor goes, "That's telekinesis, Joe." And that's where that joke came from. They were just quoting the demons. In oh that my song. god! That'd be so good. That'd be great. <laughs> and How... you just find out as we're watching Classic Who for the first time. You just like you get to that and you're like, "Holy crap!" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're like you're like they stole they stole it. <laughs> no one's gonna watch this. Yes, we will. Yes, oh, we will. My... Jack Black. Um. <laughs> uh, and then I think the only I have two more things to mention. One is Stephen Thorne, uh, who. Is it's just an over the top baddie. You might recognize him as Omega from uh, the Three Doctors. Um, the same voice. Uh, he also plays Aldrad in Hand of Fear, and I just his voice like it borders either grating or great for me because I can't decide. Um, because he's so he has he has two modes. There is when he's not talking and when he's shouting at the top of his lungs. Um. Which I like, and then the other one is a, <laughs> is a structural thing. Are you talking um, about? A, a, did you say a zale? Is that what you? Yeah. Azal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 No. I uh, I love the design of Azal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I think he's one of the. I think he's one of the few. Uh, Doctor Who like classic, uh, classic villains that. Or classic monsters, I guess, specifically, because obviously the Master's a villain. But classic monsters that I think the design holds up. Yes. Oddly. Um, because even though, like, I- I'm sure his face isn't supposed to be a mask. Like, it's just supposed to be his face. But it, if you just accept it as a mask, like a- Azal is wearing a mask, then it still works. Yes. And I kind of love it. I love the design. He's just like this, uh, like hoof demon. Yes. Um, it's it's kind of awesome. Yeah, I don't and, know, and a, and a giant one at that. Um, yeah, which yeah. was a really good use of the of the of the CSO, which is that green screen technology that they always use in the Pergamon mm-hmm. era. Um, r- really great. And the other one that I want to mention is a is a is a structural thing, which will tie us back to the master, which is, um. Even though the Doctor and Joe are in this town from about halfway through episode one, the Doctor actually doesn't meet the Master until almost halfway through episode five. 
<laughs> and Unit doesn't actually come across the Master until uh, Joe jumps out in the basement in Episode 4, which is almost the end of Episode 4, which I think is a really great use of the Master. I Normally, you have the Master show up, and it's like, oh, it's the Master, and then you have the Master constantly just sitting around making plans for however long. What I love about this is that the Master is basically given free reign on this township for, you know, three and a half episodes until – and then, you know, so so – you're like waiting for the doctor to meet him, but the doctor's so focused on other things that he's just like, he knows that the master's there, but he doesn't go after him because it's not necessary. And I love that about their relationship. And I love that they make, make you wait for it. And even though the master and the doctor's like interactions is nowhere near as good as say the time monster or mind of evil. I think that it's a really interesting decision and it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's hard. Like that's really mm-hmm. hard to have pulled off. And yet they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, make us wait. That's the moral of the story. You know what I like about this? I, you know, I maybe this is crazy, but I wouldn't mind. You know, not with Matt Smith, but maybe with a maybe with a later Doctor. I wouldn't mind seeing a return of the Master in a sense like this, where he's where like he is the 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 overarching villain of the season. And of of like every episode or, or every story or every other story in the, in in that particular season um, or series, and uh, just because I like the idea that we're not dealing with like a bunch of separate because that's the that's my biggest problem with the with the Pertwee era. Like I like it. I like the idea. I like that he's trapped on Earth and I like all these earthbound stories. But the problem is like the doctor never has to travel far to get it to get like uh, into shenanigans into an adventure. Mm-hmm. But if it's all master related, there's a reason it's all happening in his backyard. And I kinda like that. Uh, and I like the idea that it sort of gives the doctor a driving force. So, like, if you had stories where, like, the doctor's not uh, uh, earth, ba- earth, earth, uh, f- are forced to be earthbound, and you just have him tr- like uh, traveling space and time, chasing the master from adventure to adventure. Like that gives him sort of like a focus. Like if the master just keeps getting away, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I'd kind of dig that. Sure. No, I I absolutely dig that. And it is one of the like if the story does have a problem from an internal continuity sense, it is that at the end of Claws of Axos, the master gets or at the end of Mind of Evil, the master gets his TARDIS back and he winds up on Earth because of Axos. And then he's in Colony in Space as just like wandering on the cosmos. Like there's no reason for him to be back on Earth for the demons. Mm-hmm. But like I'm willing to overlook it because it gets I mean, it's a great story. But mm-hmm. it is something that is like problematic just from from that internal like sense and i agree that i think that there is definitely room for a cat and mouse master season between the doctor and the master that i think the show should like the show should at least consider doing or, or yeah. play with doing it's, it's, it just seems like such a wasted opportunity no absolutely absolutely uh, uh so like i i like that i don't know oh god like like a uh, cat and mouse with the like the master constantly running away from the from the doctor because the doctor is always winning, but he gets away. And then toward the end of the season, the master finally wins and then starts chasing the doctor. Mm. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's good the stuff. That's yeah. the stuff. Okay. Well, anyway, 
<laughs> That's the demons. Good yes, stuff. It yeah, it is. Oh, such a great story. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, this is now officially my go-to Pertwee story. Oh, <laughs> so awesome. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap up, I want to remind you that today's episode is also brought to you by DCBService.com. DCBS, the site that lets you order uh, all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, basically anything you get from a local comic book shop, you pre-order from DCBService.com. You place your orders uh, two to three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off. Regular discounts are 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like. You only pay $6.95 in flat rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Next week, we've got uh, Christopher Eccleston. Uh, and Dalek. Uh, so that's another really good one. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, treasure so, it. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, uh, we're going to talk about that. You know, what's funny is Christopher Eccleston only has one season, but he has just as many stories as Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. So he shows up about as often. Yeah. Uh, which I, uh, makes me laugh a little. I don't know. Sure. Um, because you always think you're like, oh, Eccleston wasn't around that long. I was like, well, he was all around just as long as two other doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's, Doesn't, uh, just shows you you don't have to be around long to make an impression. Yeah, totally. Um, also, next week, we're going to be talking about The Nameless City, which is the newest uh, ebook uh, mini, uh, this time focusing on the second doctor. Um, so we'll be talking about that as well next time. Uh, what do we got on the other side of that? Uh, right on the other side of that, we have um, uh, the Seeds of Death, which is – you said Seeds of Death? Sorry. I was distracted. No, I didn't say Seeds of Death. Oh, well, then Seeds of Death, which is a nice word story. We're going to be covering the Seeds of Death, and then New Who will be back. Yay. Yay, New Who. And then on the <laughs> other side of uh, of uh, 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 New Who, when that decides to end after eight weeks, uh, we're going to jump back in with uh, The Robots of Death, which is a great story. Um mm. I can't Masterful. wait. You're gonna oh, you're gonna love that one. I can't uh, wait. That's another one you made me buy, and I've had for a year and haven't watched. So, mm-hmm. well, there's a reason. It's yeah. because it's worth it. Awesome, awesome. It's worth it. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about how excited I am to get all the hate mail and bad iTunes reviews once New Who starts back up? I, uh, I'm I'm pumped. <laughs> no, pre- all press is good press. You know what I'm saying? Let's do this. Here come, here come uh, those guys who are the only people who really don't like Moffat, which is blatantly not true. Um, our our average is going to go down from four and a half to like two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, uh, guys, they didn't like the Ice Warrior story. Oh no. Oh. Well, it's Gatus. Who who is going to like that one? It's true. No one's. Well, going to like I that mean, one. it's not even. It's not even like you know. You can like it that week. I mean, Victory of the Dollars. People were like. Yeah, the, but I, it, 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 they don't last. Like, mm. and the thing is that uh, test of time. I think I'm gonna last the test of time. That's the thing that makes <laughs> it work. It's true. It's true. Yep. 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 Uh, when your best when your best story is uh, the idiot idiot's lantern, that's um, that's problematic. Yeah. I, I, maybe it's night terrors. I might fight you on that and say night terrors, but I haven't rewatched night terrors so. Uh, you might be right. I forget about. I forgot. Night Terrors was his. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was that was that was his. Yeah, that was how memorable it was. That could be it. I did. But Night Terrors. But, Night Terrors is inoffensive, which is the difference. Yeah. Well, one. and I like. Uh, I like the. Uh, here we are talking about other Doctor Who stories. Oh, that's fine. Um, I I like the uh, the setting a lot in that one. That's yeah. the apartment complex, right? 
Yes. Yeah. See, I really like the setting of that one. The apartment uh, complex and the dollhouse. Yeah. Well, actually, funnily enough, the dollhouse less so than the apartment complex. No, I'm I more. I'm more interested in the apartment complex, the 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 block, if you will. Yeah. Um, that is being block, attacked. Block. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at twitter.com slash gungan and also my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash GD commentary. I'm just muscling through it. That's where I live tweet things like Smash, which is wonderful. Uh, and if you will have any interest in any sort of Doctor Who story, go to my blog, classicalgalfrey.blogspot.com, where I expound even more on the demons. Uh, you can find it using the index that's on that site. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's an index. Uh, also, I'm in a book called Outside In, which is really great, and you should read it because I don't make any money off of it. I just like pimping it. So there you go. Scott. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm twitter.com slash Scott Corelli. Also, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary, where I live tweet things from time to time. Currently, I've been live tweeting the last, the final season of Desperate Housewives because that was a show that I watched for six years and then sort of dropped off with the final season uh, for reasons. And uh, I was just like, you know, I, I watched six years of this show, uh, or I'm sorry, seven years of this show. I should probably watch that final season, uh, which was the eighth season. Um, so I, uh, I'm watching it for the Mind Robbers to talk about on the Mind Robbers, and uh, I'm live tweeting it as I go. And uh, I have thoughts about it. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait. Uh, you've been you've been reading my live tweets. <laughs> oh God! Well, because normally when I see Twitter, I'll just like skip through Twitter. I'll be like, okay, I recognize that avatar. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then I'll get to like stuff with your with your commentary. I'm like, oh no no, gotta stop. Put it. Put my phone away until I got some time to buckle in. <laughs> awesome. That's how I roll. That's how I uh, roll. Yeah. So uh, follow that for 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 Desperate Housewives talk if that's what you're into. Um, and then, uh, of course, listening to the Mind Robbers for my overall thoughts on the final season of Desperate Housewives and Desperate Housewives as a whole, including uh, the reason why I started watching it in the first place. Uh, what was the appeal? Uh, all of that. I'm going to talk about that as well. Lots of thoughts about that show um, coming very soon on the Mind Robbers. And then, of course, the Mind Robbers versus uh, currently titled The Mind Robbers versus Batman the Animated Series. Um, so you can probably guess what we're talking about on that show. Uh, but we do two episodes Batman? per... Yeah, yeah, oh, good. yeah, good guess. Hmm. Uh, you're there every time, so that doesn't surprise me that you know. That's uh, keeping, keeping my head on straight. Oh, good, good, good. Um, all right, so so yeah, so we talk about two Batman the Animated Series episodes per episode of the Mind Robbers Versus. We do three episodes of the Mind Robbers Versus per week, so that's six episodes of the show that we cover every week. Uh, lots of stuff, but they're short. They're like uh, they're like fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. Uh, a couple they're of chicken, they're chicken nugget size to the cheeseburger that is the Mind Robbers. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple yeah. a couple have pushed to almost 30, but I don't think anything's gone over 30 yet. Not uh, yet. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Uh so check that out and uh check out all everything else on the website, leave comments, all that good stuff, mindrobber.net, and we'll talk to you next week with Christopher Eccleston and Dalek. Bye. Bye. Bye.